Hey, this is Taylor Elder. Thank you for tuning in to Working and Living While Black, a show that explores life as a black woman in the workplace. You can catch the show every week right here. All right. Hello again. Um, today I have Reggie, uh, Regine. Which one would you like to go by for this interview? <laughs> uh, Reggie's okay. All right, we'll go with Reggie. Um, So I met Reggie in New York City when I was doing um, my AmeriCorps service. Um, And it's just been a really cool friendship, uh, you know, throughout. But I think I learned that you worked in HR. And so I was really interested in that and just kind of like the feel that you, how you've gotten there. Um, So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what industry or field you work in. Yeah. Um, so, hello everyone. I am. Um, I was telling Taylor that this is probably the hardest uh, question I'm, I'm asked because I really am terrible at describing myself or sharing a little bit about myself. But um, I would say that I am definitely um, an introvert at heart. Um, but I am incredibly uh, silly with people who I'm closest with. Um, I also, um, I enjoy hiking and reading. Um, I'm also a lifelong New Yorker. Um, and, uh, another thing about me is that, um, I'm definitely a helper. So I felt like that was always something that I had to feel connected to with my, um, with my profession or my career. Um, so the industry that I work in, I work in human resources and then more specifically, um, because you can work in HR in a number of different industries, um, I work in finance. Um, and I went to school for psychology, did not think I'd be in HR, um, but after spending a couple of years um, working in the mental health industry, um, I felt very um, kind of burnt out um, and kind of frustrated with a lot of the bureaucracy that went on. So um, I try to explore or look for other careers where I could still help people, but in a way that didn't overwhelm me and um, take away from, I guess, my own mental health um, (laughs) per se. Um, But I mean, HR still has its challenges, but um, yeah, that's uh, kind of how I found my way into HR. And um, it was actually um, an internship of sorts that um, brought me into the field. And so I- Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, and I've, I think it's been almost six years now. So, yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Do you feel that the skill set that you were using in your other um, jobs are kind of similar to what how you use them now, or do you think it's changed? Um, I'd say that it really hasn't changed. Um, I know that my current employer was pretty... Um, I don't want to say like impressed, but pretty interested when I had, when she was reviewing my resume and looking that, seeing that I was a behavior analyst at one point um, in my career. And um, I feel like the skills are pretty transferable. Um, You definitely have to have those interpersonal skills to work with people one-on-one in human resources, you're dealing with employee relations. So um, in conflict management, and that's a lot of what I, that was a big part of my job um, when working in mental health um, as an analyst. Um, And I mean, everybody comes to work with an issue. You you have to know how to kind of approach them, um, have those active listening skills, um, having empathy and understanding. Um, 
so I think that, um, and then also having the right approach to, to um, kind of critically problem solve um, are all of the, the same skills that I used in, um, in mental health. So I'd say it's pretty, pretty related. Do you, you mentioned empathy. Do you think that is something that you see in only specifically in human resources or in specific um, departments similar to, you know, people and culture? Or do you think that that's something that you see in business in general? Because I feel like I have a hard time sometimes seeing empathy um, among coworkers. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, in the business world or in the finance world, I feel like it's, it's, you may not see it that much. I feel like you may only see it um, in the HR department if, you know, if that, um, depending on where you work. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's definitely a tough industry. It's one where you're working a lot of hours um, and you, you know what? I will say that um, at least at my organization, I do see a sense of, um, I don't want to say camaraderie, but like with teammates, like if one's staying late, the other will stay late to help them with the project or to finish a report or to like um, file a claim by a deadline. Um, so I feel like there's some sort of kind of empathy there in a sense where it's like you can, you feel that like, you know, your your team is is really putting in the hours, the extra time, and you want to be a part of that. You want to help, you want to contribute. So I kind of see it there, but for the most part, it, it really is, um, for me, I've experienced it more so in HR than, than anywhere, any other department. That definitely makes sense. I feel that I've heard similar things before, and I, I come from a different background I have more of a nonprofit and like mm-hmm. engagement background so I think empathy is kind of the leading piece in that like we're like oh let's talk about things let's be empathetic towards one another and I mm-hmm. love that um but I'm always interested in the private sector and what that looks like yeah uh you you also being in New York being a true New Yorker um you come from a bigger city do you feel like there is diversity in the workplace um, again, I think it depends on the company itself, but I would say finance as a whole, from what I've seen, um, I do work, I work in Manhattan, but right now I'm work. I've been working from home since the pandemic started. Um, but I worked in FIDI, which is the financial district. So most of all of the finance companies are down there. And, um, to be honest, I mean, everyone knew, knows that New York is a melting pot, but, um, I would say that it's, you don't see that many people of color. I mean, even when um, you're kind of out getting lunch and I mean, there's like a sprinkle here or there, but you don't really see too many. And then even within my organization, I think it's it's something that a lot of companies struggle with. And now that DEI has become such a big, I don't want to say thing, but um, or such a big buzzword or acronym in a sense, mm-hmm. um, I think that it's become like a focal point or something that people are starting to pay more attention to, which is great. But um, I would say as of now, I I just, I don't see that like greater or higher level of diversity that I think we'd all like to see, especially people of color in the workplace. Oftentimes you can count them all on one hand (laughs) or two. Um, So yeah. Yeah. I, you mentioned counting all on one hand and I have, I had an inter or an interview with a friend and we were even talking about that with mm. 
she works in a campus setting and she was saying diversity, especially in leadership, you just don't see it. You can literally count the amount of people in one hand. Um, mm. But it's surprising for, for me. I think when I think of New York, when I go, when I was in New York, I was like, oh, it's pretty diverse. But understanding that even though you might see diversity, it doesn't represent the group that you're in. And it's not mm-hmm. even like your choice. It's just in workplace, you know, you have coworkers and you might not see someone who looks like you or it's very few, like you were saying. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know, it's interesting. And then you find that of those people, um, of those people of color that are there, they often to kind of share the same experience of kind of um, operating in a space where they are always one of few or one of the only, whether it had been in college or in their high school classes or maybe where they grew up. So there's some sense of, um, I don't want to say familiarity, but like having the, um, the understanding, like, I'm used to this, I know what this is like, but mm-hmm. I, I think that it doesn't take away from the fact that um, you still want to see more of yourself represented in an organization at every level, whether it be at the um, kind of like the the employee level or the, the management or upper management, you want to be, it's good to see that, like, it's good to see that representation at all levels of the organization. So um, definitely something that uh, I think this industry and a lot of others can, can work on, improve upon. Being one of the fewer individuals of color in your industry or even, you know, in your field right now, do you feel that you have to mask yourself to accommodate others at work? Or do you feel that you have to assimilate to the group around you? Um, I would say um, yes. And and no, um, because there's like, uh, I guess who I am at my core is how I, how I um, operate regardless of um, who I'm around. Um, but there are certain things that I may, I would say like tone down. So there's like a mask there, but it's not like, it's more of like a sheer, slightly sheer <laughs> mask. <laughs> um, so um, I'm a little like around people who I'm more comfortable around. Um, I'm a little bit more animated. Um, also there's kind of like the code switch. So I'm, I'm maybe not talking as um, quote unquote proper um, as I would in the workplace. Um, but I also, I guess I struggle to understand whether, I still struggle to understand whether that's just who I am as a person because I'm pretty guarded. So it doesn't matter who I'm around. I'm, I'm usually pretty, I kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say shut down, but I'm, I'm pretty um, <laughs> like, uh, uh, why can't I think of the word? Um, I guess just guarded um, and private um, until I just, feel more comfortable and, and close enough with you to kind of just be, be who I am. Um, yeah. That is, that definitely makes sense. I feel like I'm kind of similar in that regard. I mm-hmm. feel like we might've had this conversation too offline, yeah. um, but it, there's definitely like, I need to get to know you or I need to mm-hmm. feel like I am in a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I feel that, when you don't see representation, it doesn't feel as safe of a space at that point. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you feel, would you agree with that? Or do you think that it's something different? No, I definitely think it's, 
I, I would agree with that. Um, I was going to say that I, I feel like growing up just in the environment I grew up in, the schools that I went to or the schools I went to, um, and then even just previous workplaces that I've been, um, that I've worked at, I've, again, always been like one of the few or one of the only. Um, so for me, I think it, it didn't take, it didn't, I didn't realize that there was some sort of mask until maybe post-college and I got into the working world and I started to make more friends of color and my friend group looked a bit more diverse that I realized that there was, especially like, let's say like with code switching, that is like a big thing. Like there's maybe, I don't want to say like 10 or 15 people of color in my current organization. And I can immediately tell like when I'm with my department, which um, I'm one of the few people of color in my department, um, and at one point I was the only, and then if I went out to lunch with a friend in a different department or a coworker and they were of color, it's like the language changed, the style or whatever changed. Um, and you can definitely tell they're like, I was like, oh, I do code switch. And I never thought I did until, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of have those one up, but like you said, it's having that, that space where you feel comfortable enough to kind of just be yourself. And that's when you realize like, oh, like I have been kind of masking, maybe not all of yourself, but certain parts for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize I was, I, I think I always had like a question, my, who I was as an mm-hmm. individual. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood that was predominantly white, but then mm-hmm. they wouldn't quite accept me because I wasn't one of their own. It was like mm-hmm. a really weird situation. And then when I would go to like family events or like hang out with people who are also black, it was almost like, oh, you don't fit in because you, I wasn't one of the own one of their own either. So it's kind of like in this middle, but I realized in college, actually, um, when I made a friend who was mixed, there was this, it, it almost felt like there was a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Like there was that trust, there was some sense of community, which was really weird. And I feel Mm -hmm. like even on a professional level, you can get that. Um, I don't know if I, I don't think I've worked with anyone else Mm -hmm. in my current job um there are individuals but not in my department I don't think I've worked with other people who are also black so I've just always kind of been one of those lone wolf (laughs) (laughs) no no yeah it's it's um I don't know it's yeah I find that a lot of other people of color that I I run into like whether it be at work or other organizations um it's it's honestly the same story um Mm -hmm. And it's not, I mean, it's not anything to, I don't want to say it in a way where it's like um, a good or a bad thing. It's just, it's kind of just a, a unique experience, I think, for a lot of us um, in those kind of spaces where we're the only bra- um, brown and black um, people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I will correct myself, um, I did have one coworker, but she was a lot older. So it was a different, ex- <laughs> different experience. Yeah. Um, but back to what you were saying, the, do you feel, I feel like right now in the U S we've kind of had this weird breather. Um, but last year was a real struggle with, you know, race talks and just different things that we were seeing in the media. Did you have, did you feel like you were, do you feel like that impacted that work dynamic or that other people um, of color could kind of like connect it with you more? Was there any change Um, in that? I would say, so it was interesting because um, 
I definitely had some one-off, one-off conversations with um, a couple of um, of my colleagues of, of color, um, but I think also because we were in a in a work from like at the at the time everybody was work from home. I don't think we had reopened the offices just yet, so um, there was a bit of a disconnect, which I feel like a lot of people felt like in any company that they worked at, um, that there was a bit of a disconnect because, you know, you're seeing someone across the screen and not really meeting in person. Um, so there wasn't that kind of big conversation between all of us, but maybe a lot of one-off conversations that happened, Mm -hmm. um, in private. And then, um, you know, also coming from a department that like one, I was dealing with it personally, and then to have to deal not deal with it, but kind of working through it personally, what was happening and processing that. And then also having to process it at work, um, not only working in a department where I was the only, or I am the only black individual um, or woman in the department. And um, then also being in HR where it's like, all eyes are on you to have this response about what happened. Um, Because I know that that was another thing too. I talked to a lot of, I think we talked about it in terms of just responses from our organizations. And I I think I mentioned to you that I was a bit disappointed in um, the response from my organization, but I took that really hard because I felt as though that was a representation of HR, like that, communication that was sent out and then this is how we feel about it and to know that like I don't know if any of the other people of color were thinking that um were looking at me as like okay like you didn't have any say in this or you didn't have any input in this um which you know just made me feel even worse about it um but uh but yeah it was it was definitely definitely difficult um didn't really feel like like I had some support there, but um, overall, I would say I definitely processed it more on my own. And at work, I kind of um, really, really put on a mask. I think at, at that point, I had like on a pretty thick mask. I, I kind of kept it pretty um, straight faced and I didn't really show much emotion because I that's just something about me. I hate to let people see that things bother me, <laughs> but um yeah, it was a very interesting time um, and definitely made me realize um, even going into the workplace, like I've always had these like aspirations of, you know, I want to do this with my career and this with my career. And you're thinking about your salary and and your lifestyle. And um, this definitely made me one of the many things, but definitely made me stop and think last year about like the kind of companies and organizations I want to be, I want to work for. And um what they stand for or don't stand for um, is actually important to me. And it, were, it, it was something that I hadn't really thought about um, before. I think you make a really good point because I also haven't thought about that too much. I know that, and mm-hmm. I think you were saying this too, where you know your personal mission that you really want to help out individuals. You want to be, you know, a good presence for individuals, but then it's like, is the corporation that I'm representing also sharing not the same exact values, but certain values that Mm -hmm. I believe in. I think that I, I could see society moving towards that even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no. I think that um, like now more than ever, it's, it's really important to, or I think 
employers and organizations, companies are recognizing that their brand and their image means a lot, like in terms of recruiting people, people want to know um, what are your, um, like, what's your mission? What's your vision? And not just, you know, how much money you made last year and like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What kind of cool perks are you offering? And I mean, all of that is important as well. Um, But I think, or like what kind of culture you have or anything like, or events that you put on. But I think also what's important is to like, what is your stance? Like um, in terms of like even your political stance, we, we saw that last year, but also in terms of um, discrimination, racism, sustainability, um, people want to know what is an employee, um, an employee, an employer's take on that. And that um, kind of affects how they see a company and whether or not they would even want to apply or be a part of that company, because it also kind of feels like a representation of you. You spend so many hours at work and a lot of people attach their identity to what they do. So why would you want to work for a company that doesn't share some of your values, you know? I definitely agree. And I I, I was just talking with someone about this in regards to mental health and how that's one value that I see a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people are going to start um, advocating for. Mm-hmm. And it might even be, you know, um, certain services, it might be it's included in my um, health benefits, something along those lines. I see that people are going to start saying, you know, I lost a lot of that barrier between my life and my work during COVID. And I now mm-hmm. understand that if you want me to commit, almost commit like most of my day to this organization, I need to know that you are going to invest in that as well. I think we're getting away from just, um, I expect you to work. And so you're going to work. A lot of people aren't really in that mindset anymore. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, like I said, you spend so much of your time at work. Um, and nowadays, I don't, I don't know about your, your organization or what, um, you've talked about with your friends or colleagues, but we definitely feel that our organization that we probably worked longer hours, we worked harder, like, during COVID while we were working from home more than any other time. So you're really spending a lot of time at work. Um, And even before that, just physically spending time at work and with your colleagues, you want to like who you work with, you want to be on a good team, um, but you also want to work for an organization that, um, you know, is aligned with your goals if, if, you know, not most, if not all. Um, So yeah, definitely important. And I feel like organizations recognize that now and, and, and are kind of taking those steps. Like some companies you definitely see in the media have done great and others not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I, I do think that, yeah, there's definitely organizations where you can see they truly believe in what they're talking about. And then there's other organizations where that's not the case. And you can tell that it's just a ploy for them to be in good uh, spirits between, you know, the media, um, external stakeholders. I do start, Mm -hmm. I do think that you can start to see the differences there. Um, When we're talking about these social issues, do you ever feel that you have to choose a part of your identity? Like, Oh, I'm black or I'm a woman. Um. It's hmm. so interesting. Can you repeat the question once more? Yeah. So 
when we're talking about these social issues mm-hmm. um, and we see things in the media, we see how it impacts our work life. Do you ever feel like you have to choose a part of your identity? Um, so for example, um, when I see um, certain allegations against like sexual allegations, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I have to choose to be a woman. Um, and then I see black lives matter. And so I have to feel like I have to choose to be black. I, I sometimes feel like society makes you choose one. So I'm just curious to see if you ever feel like that yourself. Mm-hmm. And if um, you might not. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, I see what you're saying. And I think that, um, I don't know. It's, it's a hard question. It's a hard question to answer because I almost feel like, um, I, I, I almost feel like I don't get a choice to choose it's like (laughs) it's like I um I feel like when people see someone of color the first thing they see is the color of their skin and then the second is their gender or maybe yeah I would say they're the first thing they see is the color of their skin and then their gender and there's nothing there's nothing you can do to get away from that um and so I feel like I don't really have a choice in choosing like oh I'm you know a woman, um, it's, I'm, I'm a black woman in, in every situation, whether it be dealing with racism, whether it be dealing with, um, you know, sexual harassment or any sort of allegations or like women's safety. I think mm-hmm. it's, um, I, I don't think we get a choice to choose, I guess in, in my opinion, I feel like, um, and I know there's no right or wrong answers, but yeah, I don't, I don't really feel like there's a, there's the opportunity to choose. It's, that is who we are. Um, so yeah, I feel like I didn't answer your question though. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. And that makes sense too. I think um, we, I was looking at this um, national meeting that was happening and the individuals who were in the leadership roles who were going to be like part of this, um, they were predominantly white and there were, mm-hmm a lot of women. And so in certain industries, you know, women are more dominant, um, mm-hmm. in representation and others, uh, males are more dominant in representation. So it was just really interesting though, because I, I felt, I can see what you're saying because to them, it seems like diversity means either being a woman or being a man, or, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean, you know, your race, it doesn't mean, so I, I, I guess I understand what you're saying in that regard. Like, their initiative was okay diversity but they saw it as being a female because it's different I guess than just being a black female it's different than just being you know LGBTQ um Mm. so I think that I I can kind of see what you're saying there yeah yeah I feel like um it's kind of like uh when a lot of certain when certain movements came out um there had to be this reminder that like, okay, like a, a Black woman coined this term or began this movement, um, like with intersectionality or um, even the Me Too movement, it kind of, it was like, at least what I saw on social media, it's like, had there had to be this reminder, like, you know, um, you know, Black women's rights are, are, are women's rights too. Like, it's not, you know, I kind of, it kind of almost seemed like women of color, I don't want to say people, but women of color were often forgot about in certain um, like women's rights movements or or causes. Um, And 
even with racism or even just seeing what happened with, um, not what happens, but the killings of so many African-American men and women last year and just seeing how like Breonna Taylor, like it, Mm-hmm. And like, there was this quote that said that, um, and I, I know that I'm misquoting it, but just saying that like, like black women are like the, like least respected or regarded um, out of like a, a white man, a white woman, a black man. Um, we kind of uh-huh. fall into last place there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that in a lot of, movements that have happened in the past like we often get forgotten about and we kind of have to raise our voices just a little bit louder to be like yeah me too I'm, I'm part of this too I'm being affected by this too but that's also why I think that it's just not something that you can um kind of get away from in terms of saying like I'm a woman like I can't separate I, for me at least I don't feel like I can separate like my gender from my race it's like I'm a black woman like I'm not just a woman you know mm. That definitely makes sense. Um, You mentioned um, even feminism and Mm. that there was kind of a division there. I saw a book, it's called Hood Hood Feminism. Mm. And um, I haven't been able to read it yet, but I was looking at it and it was just talking about um, how the, like feminism kind of ignored black women in that Mm -hmm. and how that has impacted things um in certain neighborhoods and societies and I just thought that was so interesting because it is that is the case you know somehow even though I am a woman I am underrepresented in statistics in the workplace like you aren't really studying on black women or their experiences. It usually is probably going to reflect a white woman and their experiences in the workplace. No, Uh, no, I definitely agree. How has intersectionality impacted your experience either in work or in life? Um, so I think that, um, I'm just thinking about my answer here. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to step away from workplace a bit. Um, but I would say that the way that it's impacted me, especially, and I think we've talked about, um, we talked about earlier, um, just always operating in spaces where um, you're one of the few or one of the only. It's interesting. Um, one of the things I feel like I've, kind of felt all my life um being like operating in those spaces was kind of being invisible so it's weird like you stand out because you're different from the rest but because of that you're almost kind of like disregarded too (laughs) because you're in the minority so um definitely um feeling invisible um and kind of being treated as such I would also say just the amount of opportunities that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say, because I, I think that with intersectionality, it's, you know, not just your race, not just your gender, not just your sexual orientation. It's um, also your socioeconomic status. Like all of that kind of comes together and more, um, you know, religious beliefs come together to kind of um, impact your, I guess, your privilege or, Um, even the level of discrimination that you kind of experience. Um, 
But I would say in my life, I would think more, I'm like, I'm thinking more so, hmm, I'm thinking more so in school and in the workplace. And what I, for me, always comes back to is opportunity. Um, I feel like because of the mom that I had or have, um, she always made sure that my brother and I had every opportunity to like exist in those spaces that maybe uh, people, other, other kids of color did not. So I felt very grateful for that. But just seeing in my, in my own neighborhood, um, people of color, kids of color, not having the same opportunities for whatever reason, whether it be their socioeconomic status or, um, you know, in school and constantly being targeted and sent to, um, you know, detention for behavioral problems or acting out, whereas you didn't quite see that with other kids, Mm -hmm. um, white kids. Um, And then seeing it as well in terms of um, college, like just the opportunity to apply or to to attend school. Um, And then seeing it most also in, um, especially being in in HR, just, kind of, uh, I guess, I don't want to say hiring practices, but recruiting. Um, I feel like it, it's hard enough as a college student to get out there or a college graduate to, to receive employment or find employment. But um, oftentimes, you, especially in finance, you're just not seeing enough people of color and they're not getting that, they're not getting seen, they're not getting um, recognized, um, they're not being recruited. Um, so you can definitely tell that um, opportunity, I think, is in any any area of life is definitely something that has impacted me and I've seen other people be in, impacted by um, of color. I think you like describe, you almost like paint the whole picture from like beginning to adulthood in such an amazing way because it does really start this whole idea of opportunity and lack thereof. It does start in school. Um, there was a study and I forget the study, but it it was talking about how um, black, I think it was black males, the teachers would go and send them to detention or send them to the office just for being like a little bit rowdy or loud or whatever it was being a kid, you know? And I understand there's certain rules, but their white counterparts, they would be sent to the principal's office for like much bigger things um, or yeah, it was like bigger things. So it was almost saying that, um, the students who are black, it was like any inconvenience to the classroom. It was like almost perceived as, oh, you're being disruptive versus the others. It was like, oh, if they were being disruptive, they're fine. They're going to stay here. Um, it was just a really interesting dynamic. And I am probably butchering the whole study. So I apologize to whoever (laughs) the person is. Um, But it was such an interesting dynamic. And you could even see that in college too with like certain names or um, different things like that. So I feel like it's just kind of like this opportunity. You start to see, oh, there is a trend in those who have opportunity at an early age and then those who do not have opportunity at an early age. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there's also um, a video out that explains... um, in a really interesting way explains privilege. And um, 
it, it, it kind of, I feel like so many people have seen this video, but it's like basically a bunch of kids at a field and they all start at a certain, they're supposed to be running a race, but before they start the race, they um, divide the kids into like all of the white kids on one side um, or, and all of the, the black kids or uh, kids of color, um, not on a side, but at the, fin- at the starting line. And then um, for every type of privilege there is, that person who experiences that privilege um, or doesn't have that kind of disadvantage in their life takes a step forward. So mm-hmm. they talked about kind of socioeconomic, um, just even like, do you have, do you come from a two parent household? Um, uh, the color of your, was it? The co- yeah. The color of your skin. Um, if you play sports, what type of school you go to, just all of these little factors that play a role in how well a person gets ahead in life. Um, that person, that that was part of the study. And when they were done with all of their questions, like maybe one or two Black people had stepped forward one or two steps. But I mean, all of the wow. white kids were about 10 steps ahead to start this race. And it showed like, how do you expect people to... Um, kind of win, like all of those people that say like, we've been given all the same opportunities. Like we've all been given the same opportunities. We have all had this like great start in life, but we all haven't. And that was mm-hmm. such a clear um, uh, representation of um, how America really is. Not everybody has the great start that maybe you had. Um, and it just showed how some people just get so far ahead in life. And because they took so many steps forward, how hard it is to even catch up. Like, even if you do kind of, you know, make some strides in your life. Like, you know, maybe you're still not getting that, that pay that you're getting, that someone else is getting the, the same rate of pay, you know what I mean? For doing the mm-hmm. same kind of job. Um, so it's, yeah, it was such an interesting, but also kind of disheartening um, video to see, but yeah. I, I feel like we don't talk about the pay and like, yeah. <laughs> It is really sad to see that we talk about male versus women or male versus female, whatever pay, but then we don't talk about black women Mm -hmm. and the rest of the group because that's even a smaller or even a larger gap that we just don't acknowledge. We don't acknowledge that individuals don't have access to mentors in the same way. Um, And so Mm -hmm. all of those steps start to add up and they do make a larger impact um, that I feel like we just have turned our, we've turned a blind eye to. No, no, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a problem that needs to be broken down further. I think that, like you said, oftentimes when we think about like equal pay or the pay gap, we are looking at we say we're looking at men and women, but it's really white men and white women, because when you break it down even further, women of color are getting paid less than white women. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, sometimes things need to be broken down just a little bit more to really get the full representation. Um, Another thing that I was thinking about um, in terms of opportunity, I had recently saw um, or read a LinkedIn post and um, someone had basically said that um, even internships are 
kind of an opportunity that's not really given to everyone um, or not everyone can take on because a lot of internships don't pay. So if you are someone of color who cannot afford to, or just coming from a home where maybe you are a contributor like financially to the households, even if you are in college or in high school, you can't afford to take an unpaid internship, but that is the experience that you need in order to, when you graduate, to get in, you know, to get a decent job these days. Like they want you coming out of college with experience and how do you do that. You either work over the summer or you 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 intern. And obviously everyone wants to intern because it's kind of is the supplement to whatever you studied in school instead of taking like a part-time job, which there's nothing wrong with that at maybe a retailer or a fast food restaurant, but doesn't really lend to, you know, what you're learning in school. Um, and so it's kind of making that decision. Do I support myself and my family or, you know, um, take this unpaid internship? Um, that may pay off in the future. You don't even know. Um, so that just, just to add that in about opportunity. What do you, what change do you hope to see? This can be in the workplace. This can be in life as it relates to, um, either race or whatever it is. What hope, what change do you hope to see? Um, so I think, you know, just even tying back to, I know we had started talking about, um, visibility in the workplace and, and, and all of that. Um, I, one of the things that I was thinking about was just how DEI has really kind of been this like buzzword or acronym. And, um, it's something that I would really like to see, embedded in like an organization's strategic plan or their overall mission and vision, because it has to be a part of that. If it's kind of a one-off where it's like, this is a little pet project, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, for that to really be, like we talked about, like, um, I feel like the entire nation has talked about like racism and how it can't be like a one person, like, or a one, like, like blacks can't do it. Whites can't, like, we all have to come together and kind of denounce racism and educate ourselves. And I feel like it's the same way with, um, with DEI, like we all need to kind of raise um, the awareness and do the work, but it has to be like organization wide. So what does that look like? That looks at, that looks like diversity at the recruiting level um, and making sure that um, we're recruiting and we're interviewing and hiring more people of color. And then that also looks like educating people as soon as they come into the organization, having those trainings that makes them aware that like discrimination and racism is not tolerated and how to work with other people of, um, of color from different walks of life. It just doesn't, diversity just doesn't have to be about gender or race. It could just be about a different walk of life, a different way of thinking. Um, and also creating psychological safety um, for people to not feel like they can't be themselves at work or to speak up. Um, I also think it looks like organizations supporting ERGs, um, employee resource groups, um, and also um, increased diversity in management and leadership or at the management and leadership level. Um, I think it's important for just like how little girls, it's important for them to have Barbie dolls that look like them. Um, or toys that represent their interests. I think that it's important as adults to see that like we can strive to be in management. And when you see there's only one person of color management or at the CEO level or running a department, it feels 
kind of like, wow, like how much work am I going to have to put in or how hard am I going to have to work or what are my chances of getting to that level when 90% of the board or leadership or C-suite is white, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and you don't see anybody that looks like you. It kind of feels like, oh, like how can that happen? Like what are the chances of that happening? Um, so that's kind of the change that I want to see at least in the workplace, um, you know, or as it relates to the workplace. Well, thank you so much, Reggie, for sharing that and also just sharing the past few minutes, um, few minutes as in like 30 minutes, but um, <laughs> I'm like, wait, it's been like a lot longer and I'm so happy that we got to talk. Uh, you added so much value to this conversation, um, especially with your, um, your comments at the end of just like, it should be in a strategic plan. That definitely makes sense. And yeah. it shouldn't be like, oh, this is a, a this is a crazy idea. Like that should just be a part of the next step um, yeah. in creating those safe spaces. Um, so thank you so much. And thank you also for listening uh, to this episode. I'm excited to continue these conversations. Um, I think they just keep getting better and better. So I hope that you tune in next week. Bye. <laughs>